So, um, this is going to be my last time preaching for a little while. Um, and I just wanted to share with you guys something that's just kind of been on my heart lately. Um, and something that I want to just encourage and challenge our spiritual family with moving forward in this new year. Um, do I have my PowerPoint somewhere? Oh, thanks. So this morning I wanted to just look at uh, just Jesus's like question for us, like, or his statement, like, if you love me. And so we're going to look at a couple passages along that vein. Um, I'm just going to pray one more time real quick, uh, and then we'll get rolling here. Jesus, I just thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for this spiritual family and just for each person that's here. Lord, I just ask, would you just open up our eyes to see you rightly, open up our ears to hear you today, um, that God, we would really be good friends to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, so I think as we look, as we jump into a new year, um, sometimes people set different goals for themselves as is tradition. Usually it revolves around more commonly like weight loss or self-improvement in whatever area. If you are a Christian, I really hope that you have set some, some tangible goals to really love the Lord more with, right? Um, but even, even if we know that we want to grow in love for God, like the question that lies before us is, well, what does it look like to love him successfully? Like, how do you measure it? How do you know that you're growing in the right direction? Because sometimes, um, we measure love in terms of emotions or feelings, but that's not the way that the Lord measures. And so it's important for us to look at his word and see how he measures us so that we know, are we growing in the right direction? So we're going to look at a couple of passages this morning um, from 1 John and from the book of John, just that kind of give us some more insight into this. And the first passage I want to read uh, is in 1 John chapter 4. So I'll give you guys a minute to turn there so you can kind of just read with me. First um, John chapter 4, we're going to jump around a little bit from verses 7 to 12 and then 19 to 21. If you don't know where to find it, turn to your neighbor, help out your friends. 1 John 4, 7 to 12, 19 to 21. All right, I'm going to read it aloud. It says, Beloved friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has God as his father and knows God. Those who do not love do not know God because God is love. Here is how God showed his love among us. God sent his only son into the world so that through him we might have life. Here is what love is, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved friends, if this is how God loved us, we likewise ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains united with us and our love for him has been brought to its goal in us. I'm going to jump down to the end of the chapter. 
We ourselves love now because he loved us first. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For if a person does not love his brother whom he has seen, then he cannot love God whom he has not seen. Yes, this is the command we have from him. Whoever loves God must love his brother too. Amen. This is like one of my favorite slash least favorite passages in the Bible because it's so challenging. Um, there's, I think it's, it's amazing because like we can worship all day long and just kind of like, you know, we can raise our hands and be very passionate and be like, Jesus, I love you. But Jesus looks at us in love and he's like, well, if you love me, like if you really love me, you're going to love your brother actually like it looks like something it has um there's there's a tangible walking out that is required and I want to just kind of challenge us with the idea that if we love Jesus but we don't love his people then we're actually kind of loving an idea of God that we have but we're not really loving him and this is actually idolatry because People all the time can love an idea of something or someone, but then when push comes to shove, they can't walk it out. And then you realize that that's not actually love at all. God's love has flesh, and it requires an arena for us to practice walking this love out in. Um, when I was younger, when I was in junior high, actually, or middle school, I was on a wrestling team. And the way Jessica's laughing at me, I was, I was all like 83 pounds of me at the time. And so on this team, the way that the practices would go is the coach would demonstrate a wrestling move, usually using one of the players. He would show us how to do it. And then we would grab a partner and we would practice how to do it. And we would like kind of fumble through the, the move or that technique multiple times so that we knew that we really got it. But sometimes, like if we had only watched the coach demonstrate it, if we had watched him demonstrate the move and we're like, okay, yeah, I got this. I got this move down. Like I can do this. But we hadn't practiced it. If we were to go into the arena like that, into an actual match, like we would probably lose quite miserably. And the same thing is, is similar or true in Christianity that, you know, we, you can watch people or you can listen to a sermon. You can attend a Sunday service and have an idea in your mind and be like, okay, yeah, I got this. But if we don't practice it, if we don't walk it out in the flesh, then then when push comes to shove and we're actually having to love an opponent or an enemy, we're going to come up short. And so it's so, so, so important that we are walking and living in community with each other so that when we go to church or we go to the prayer room and we're worshiping God and we're like, yes, Jesus, I love you. I love everything about you. That then we have a, a place or an opportunity to turn around and have to practice it. Because now I got to love Scotty. And what if Scotty smacks me in the face one day and I still have to learn how to love him? 
Like there, there has to be a practical application or there has to be a way for us to walk out our love for one another. And that requires both people and community. There isn't really a good way around that. So the, the, if we want to grow in our love for God, like we should be putting ourselves in a, in a spiritual family and planting ourselves in a community where we have to love people that are not like us sometimes. And that's a good way for us to grow and to measure our own hearts before the Lord. Are, am I growing in love for God? Or is it all just kind of ethereal? Some of us, uh, <laughs> we went, um, we, a couple of us went away for the weekend and some of the guys were watching the OSU game and they got very into it. <laughs> they were like screaming and shouting and they're jumping up and down. But they're spectators of this sport. And if you were to put Joseph or Jeff or, you know, Johnny or any of the guys onto a football field, I think they'd be in trouble, right? But they can, they can have opinions, like, of how the game should be played or how it ought to go, but they're not actually walking it out. They're not the ones that are in, in, on the field, like, in the practice. And likewise, like, we as Christians... We can have opinions all day about what it looks like to love people. We can discuss it over Bible study. We should say, oh, you know, it should look like this or it should look like that. Or why did this person do this? Why did they do that? But if you are not on the field, so to speak, if you're not kind of in the trenches of learning how to grow in love for people, then you're really just spectating. And that's you can have as many opinions as you want, but... If you were placed onto the field, it would be a different situation. And so it's important for us to kind of have that, that mindset, I think, as we approach loving the Lord and loving people. Second uh, point that I want to point out is that God's love demands obedience. It demands obedience. Um, Jesus says in, in John chapter 15, verses 12 to 14, he says, This is my command, that you keep on loving each other just as I have loved you. No, oh, sorry, that should be one. No one has greater love than the person who lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This passage is equally as challenging. Like, all right, you want to be my friend? Then you do what I command you. And I remember one time, sorry, I'm going to throw Cindy under the bus for a second. Cindy is a huge strength and support to me, I want you to know. But one time, I was cooking dinner in the kitchen, and I had probably like, you know, a bunch of different pots and pans going and, you know, like a huge mess of all these things I'm working on. And Cindy kind of bounced up to me like all happy and, and was like, can I help you with anything? I'm like, yeah. Can you set the table? <laughs> and so Cindy's like, okay. And then Cindy wandered off, got distracted by something, and then bounced back over to me and is like, hey. Can I help you with anything? I'm like, yeah, set the table. <laughs> and sometimes we do the same thing to Jesus. 
Because sometimes, like, everyone wants to help God with, like, the glorious things or the things that are glamorous and attractive and they, you know, make us look good. But most of us don't actually want to help him set the table or take out the trash or wash the dishes or clean the bathrooms. And this is so, like, important because I think that God tells us that if we want to be given much, like, we have to be faithful with really little things. Things that are sometimes so simple to us that we don't even want to do them because we're so proud that we overlook it and we think, oh, that's not really a big deal. Give me the big stuff. You know? I always, um, something that, like, is always concerning to me, like, as a Christian is when somebody comes into church and they, they really want to be on, like, the worship team or they really want to preach or they, you know, they really want the stage. But then if you ask them, hey, can you help me clean the bathrooms? then they're not so excited about that. But to be a friend of God means that we are obedient to him in whatever way that looks like. And sometimes he gives us simple things and we look for big things and we overpass like the small things of, hey, can you be simple and just obey my command to honor your parents today? Can you obey me in in treating, you know, your wife or your husband or your roommate or whatever, your son, your daughter, respectfully and, and lovingly today? Can you humble yourself and go ask for forgiveness when you sinned against them today? And there's simple things sometimes that we bypass that God does not count as unimportant. And so I just want to encourage us in this area that, like, we want to be faithful to obey God in small ways and not to not to overlook it, not to undermine it in our own opinions. The third thing I want to point out is that loving God is costly. Loving God was costly for Jesus. Loving God uh, was costly for it will be costly for us as well. And what I want to encourage us is that if we're not in a position where love is costing us something or if it's not stretching us, then it might be a good time to re-examine or reevaluate. like, am I growing in love? Because if you're, I'm not getting stretched, if I'm not being challenged, if it's not hurting me somehow, like, am I still growing? Oh, <laughs> you'll have to forgive me. I watched The Hobbit recently and I saw this scene and I just loved like the quote of this and I thought it was very appropriate to the sermon today. So we're going to watch a short little video. Yes, they will be done. Today, tomorrow, one year hence, a hundred years from now. What does it matter? They are mortal. You think your life is worth more than this? When there is no love in it, there is no love. Nothing. 
you feel for that dwarf is not real. You think it is love. Are you ready to die for it? Please forgive me. <laughs> so I love the reason I shared this is because he like really this the elf king challenges that woman. And he says, hey, you think you have feelings for this person. You think you love them. Are you ready to die for it? And I think that that in some, like this is maybe a silly or like kind of comical example. I know Isaac got a big kick out of that one. But sometimes I think that God actually kind of wants to challenge us in that same way. Because I think sometimes, like, we are very quick and very bold to declare our feelings for God or our love for the Lord. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I think that when we do, I think sometimes God kind of wheels around on us and challenges us and is like, okay, you think you love me? (laughs) Like, are you ready to die for them? And we might not yet be at the point where we have to physically lay down our lives for our brothers, although I'm sure we will get to that place, however soon or long that takes. But we are constantly being presented with opportunities where we can choose to lay down our lives and our rights and our preferences and what is beneficial or pleasurable to us over the needs of another. Like, we are constantly being presented with opportunities to lay down our lives for our friends. You know, there's, and I I see you guys do this all the time. Like, last week after book club, everyone was exhausted. (laughs) And I'm in just, like, this go, go, go mode. I'm like, hey, guys, can you help me take down the Christmas tree? Like, will you move these boxes? Will you do this? And I know no one wanted to do that. Everybody's tired, but Jessica's like, okay (laughs) and Jeff and Weibo like they're they're happy to jump in not because they want to do it but because they're willing to lay down their lives for the sake of love and so sometimes like we really like I just want to encourage you guys like that we want to position ourselves in ways that are our love is getting questioned and it's getting challenged by the Lord and we're given opportunities to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Emily, can you go to the next slide? Um, this, is, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible and I know I've shared this before, but we're going to look at John chapter 21 verses 15 to 19. You can take a minute to turn there with me. John 21, 15 to 19. After breakfast, Yeshua said to Shimon Kepha, Shimon Bar Yohanan, do you love me more than these? He replied, yes, Lord, you know I'm your friend. He said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Shimon, Bar Yohanan, do you love me? He replied, yes, Lord, you know I'm your friend. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. The third time he said to him, 
Shimon bar Yohanan, are you my friend? Shimon was hurt that he questioned him a third time, are you my friend? So he replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I'm your friend. Yeshua said to him, feed my sheep. Yes, indeed, I tell you, when you were younger, you put on your clothes and went where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which Kepha would bring glory to God. Then Yeshua said to him, follow me. I love this passage. I just love it because Peter has just uh, been through an emotional roller coaster and Jesus looks at him and he presses him on this point and says, do you love me? You know, and they, you see in their interactions, they go back and forth. And Jesus' question to Peter, do you love me, is always followed by, take care of my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Like, if you love me, this is what you'll do. Like, this is how you demonstrate your love for me. This is how you walk it out. And I, I want to just point out that at the end, like Jesus actually prophesies to Peter and he says, look, like when you were young, like when you were immature, you just did what you wanted. But when you're older, when you're mature in me, someone else is going to lead you where you don't want to go. And I love that this mark of maturity is that you don't just do what you want to do. You are led where you don't want to go. And you follow Jesus like obediently unto death. Vic, I'm sure, has been through a, a maturing process just in being a parent. Because now, like, Vic can't just go wherever he wants to go. He can't just, you know, do whatever he wants to whenever he wants to because he has to consider another person younger and weaker than himself. And he can't just up and, you know, go golfing or go, you know, shopping or go eat at a restaurant without considering first his son. And as Christians, like as followers of Christ, like we are called to that same maturity and love that we don't just go do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it without first considering the sheep and without first considering the lambs. And the mark of maturity is not that we have more independence, but actually that we have less independence, both from God and from people. Yeah. That's so, like, yeah, that's so important is that, like, for us to grow mature in the faith, it doesn't look like the way that we look at mature adults. And mature adults make their own decisions and they go this way and they go that way. Like, maturity in Christianity actually looks like us being humble and saying to those above us and to the Lord, like, this is where I want to go. Is this okay? Like, this is, you know, like, what do you want me to do? Like, you consider those that are under you. You consider those around you. You don't just kind of go off and do your own thing. And... So I just, I want to challenge us in that, in that that is like what Jesus looks at as maturity, is when we lay down our lives for the sheep and for the brethren. 
I wanted to share just like a quick story um, with you guys to that uh, vein of just kind of recognizing our love for God is tied or linked to our love for people because I, I hope that it encourages some of you. But when I, when I first, like the first, my first experience with FHL was going on the Taiwan mission trip when I was like 20 or so, right? And at that point in my life, I looked at big name worship leaders or big name preachers and teachers or miracle workers. And I'm like, that is the apex of loving God. Like, that's what it looks like to be successful in love for God. And the way that I um, measured or evaluated myself was I was like, all right, Jesus, like, I want to be as radical for you as I can. So I'm going to, like, I would get so inspired by people that are like, all right, I'm going to pack my stuff in a coffin and I'm going to move to Afghanistan or Iraq. Like, I was like, yes, like, this is what it looks like to love God. And I don't think that was entirely untrue to, to an extent, but my understanding has matured over the years in terms of what does it look like to love God? Because it's not necessarily that you are the most passionate person or the best speaker. It's actually that you should love the best and you should be the most humble. And one of the things that challenged me in this is that as radical as my emotions were at that point in my life, when I went on the mission trip to Taiwan, my capacity to love people was like that big. It was so, so small. It was embarrassingly small. I could not handle being around people for very long. And this was, it was very difficult for me because all of us girls and guys, like everybody lived like in one big room, like the girls were in one room, guys were in another room. They all lived together, like sleeping side by side. We ate every meal together. We did everything together, prayer room missions. It all goes together. And I was very independent and very introverted at the time. And I, I was like, my people max capacity is like, boom, like I'm done. I can't take it anymore. And I literally would run, like I just like go, I would just peace out and go up to the very roof of the building where no one was because it was generally too hot to like hang out there. And I would just sit there and I would just like wrestle with God because I was like, God, I thought I loved you. Like, God, I really, really love you, but I hate these people. I can't be around them one more second. And that was such a challenging point for me in my faith and it continues to challenge me to this day that the Lord looks at us in compassion and is like if you love me you love them too like it's a packaged deal I think it's helpful to think of this in in the analogy of a marriage because and it's, it's honestly like it's not even just an analogy. Like this is a reality. Like we are going to marry God. Like he is our husband. We are the bride of Christ as the church. And it would be like in America, it's very common, especially like I don't know about in, with Asians, but especially amongst white people, it's like very common for people to hate their in-laws or to despise their in-laws or to... Um, really like not want to spend a lot of time with their extended family. They're like, I like my little isolated family. You know, I like my husband, my wife, I like my kids, but I really don't like their parents and I don't like your crazy sister or your crazy brother. And like, I really want nothing to do with them. And that's common. Like that's commonplace for us. It's normal. But 
that is really not normal in most cultures, and it's definitely not normal in God's culture. Because God looks at us, and he loves us, and he looks at us, like, and he wants to marry us, he wants to be with us forever. But if we look at Jesus and we're like, Jesus, I love you, but I really don't know how I feel about your family, and I sure don't want to be tied to them forever. Like, then we really don't love God. Because our the, the packaged deal for eternity is not just that we're forever knit to the Lord, but it's also that we're forever knit to each other, too. Like, I remember being so disturbed when I found out that, like, heaven was not just me and Jesus, but the, oh, wait, like, there's other people there, too. There's a city and a throne, and I'm like, wait, I got to share him with you, too? Like, we're both there? Because that didn't sound like my picture of heaven. But that, like, there's so much beauty in, like, God's design that, like, we're not alone with Jesus for eternity. Like, we are with each other for eternity and we have this life now to practice getting with the program essentially and growing in love for him and for each other so um go to the next slide so i just wanted to kind of to close with these thoughts just as as kind of a like practical way for us to to encourage or challenge ourselves in the new year and those around us as we're walking together um so the, the first thought is like, what are you doing to grow in love for God? And can it be measured like by growing in love for people? And I think it's awesome. Like, I love it. If, you know, if you've got like a Bible reading plan or you're like, I want to, you know, do more hours in the prayer room this year. Or I want to read through this book this year. Like, that's great. Praise God. I would challenge you to make a practical goal. Like, hey. I am going to serve as an usher, too. Or I am going to, like, learn how to take care of people during potluck. I'm going to learn how to talk to other people, or I'm going to spend more time with them. Like, I would encourage you guys, like, to challenge yourselves with practical goals in both directions, because they are one and the same. Um, the second thing that I, the second kind of question that I want, or two questions I guess I want to ask us is like, are, are you presently in a spot where you're being stretched or where you feel that burn of it being costly for you to love people? Because if so, like, praise God, like, that's a good thing. Don't fight it. Like, that's a good sign. Like, I, I cannot tell you how many times like I've been in a place where emotionally it just like feels like you're on fire it's like oh I'm so bad at loving people this is horrible like there's a good like if you are being stretched in your capacity whether it's being you know able to spend time with people or to take care of people or love people like that's a good thing if you feel stretched that's good if you don't then you might want to consider putting yourself out there a little bit more until you do feel stretched and in your, until you're kind of growing in that place where you're growing to love his people more and more. Um, and the other questions in the middle, sorry, I went out of order, but 
is it like is your love for people is your love for the Lord costing you something and I ask that because Jesus is laying down of his life God's giving of his only son was very costly and for us like as Christians like and I'm not saying that you should seek out opportunities to suffer. Like, I think God is faithful enough to bring you plenty of trials, like, of, of his own accord without your help. <laughs> like, but for us as Christians, like, it's just good sometimes to ask, like, is it, is it costing me something to love you? Like, is it costing me something to love the Lord? Like, and again, like, I'm not saying that we need to seek these out. But sometimes, like, that should be a good gauge for us. Like, are we challenging ourselves enough in this area? Like, are we really, like, because when you really walk it out, like, it will cost you something and it will be painful. So, you know, just, just like any other muscle that you stretch, like, loving God and loving people takes um, an exertion that is unpleasant sometimes. And that causes a tearing or a breaking or a ripping of those muscles that then have to rebuild and get stronger. Like it is, it's the same concept that we apply to like stretching our muscles to love and stretching our muscles to take care of people or stretching our capacity to spend time with them or to talk to them. And for some of you guys, like that, like me, like I was worse than any of you to start out with. So that should be an encouragement to you that like God really can help us in this department. He really desires to make us whole and make us free. So that's kind of, um, that's, that's just kind of like the, the last couple of thoughts that I just want to throw out there for us to think about together. And I just want to encourage us like as we look at a new year together, like we are faced with um, a world whose love is going to increasingly grow cold. And so we really have to be people that are intentional about pursuing this because it cannot be a passive thing. You don't get better at loving people by just sitting there. Like you can't be a football spectator like and just, you know, that doesn't actually make you fit, doesn't make you good at the game. Like, you're just observing. Like, we can't do that as Christians. We cannot simply be bystanders or observe, like, observers. It doesn't work like that. So, I just want to challenge us and encourage us, like, in this new year, like, it's, it's just simple, like, to the, the way that the Lord measures, like, are you growing in love for me? Is are you growing in love for people? And if you are, praise God. And if you're not, ask him for help. So I'm going to close with that. And I'm going to invite Priscilla just to lead us in a time of just response to the Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Becca. That was really awesome. That was a, a fitting uh, final sermon before you go off. To IHOP for a few months. Uh, Joseph, can you lead us in a couple of songs, English songs, maybe? Yeah. Um, I just remember uh, when Becca first came here, uh, she would be in the middle of Bible study or like whatever it may be, and as soon as Bible study was over and people started talking a little bit, you could see her face start to scrunch. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, with no words, she just get up 
Like, it was so awkward. She would get up and just leave. <laughs> like, without saying bye, without saying anything. She was just done. And people were like, what happened? Like, she's just done. <laughs> she can't handle people anymore. She's going to the gym to exercise. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's not about whether you're introverted or extroverted. Both are. Uh, their joy is determined by man. Um, and their, their meaning is, is influenced by man. It's about whether we love God and feel the love of God enough that we can love people, whether they're abundant or you're isolated and you're in jail. You can still love, you know, well, because you're filled with this love. Um, and so let's take a moment uh, just to, to really... Um, Ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and allow Him to gently point out to us uh, where we lack. And it's important to note that in the Bible, God isn't just talking about loving anybody, but specifically His body, His people. Um, it could be argued that Hitler loved Germany, that he loved the German people. You don't have to be filled by the Holy Spirit to love something that serves your self-interest. But it does take God to love his family. Because you can't choose who comes through our door. You can't choose who is in the room on church on Sunday, whether they're compatible with you. But you can love them because God loves them. They express the body of Christ. They belong to Him. And so let's take a moment to um, allow the Holy Spirit to highlight that. Areas in your life where you're doing well and maybe where He wants to give you grace this year to love God. That we don't want to be people who heard a billion sermons and have very little capacity to love God and love his people. But we want people who just don't hear the word, but do it. So Holy Spirit, I just ask, even right now, just go ahead and, and, and close your eyes and pray with me. Just allow the Holy Spirit to move and uh, touch our hearts and meet us. Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts? You know us. You know our inmost being. Search our heart and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead us in paths everlasting. Just go ahead, tell, tell, talk to the Lord. Go ahead and talk to the Holy Spirit. He's here right now. What is he pointing out to you? What is he highlighting to you when it comes to loving people and loving him and loving his body?
keeping your eyes closed, just take a moment to make um, a declaration to the Holy Spirit, uh, just declaring that you're going to, to work on this area that he's highlighted, that you're going to allow him to move and give you grace and strength. You're going to give him permission to lay down this area of your life for the brethren, to lay down whether it be your time, your relationship, who you choose to talk to, who you choose not to talk to, your finances, your future, your vision, that you lay it down for God to lay it down for his people. Go ahead and, and stand up with me and we'll just go ahead and, and take a moment to sing some songs to the Lord and just continue to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you.